0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Real Estate podcast. Today I am with Lee Brown. Lee Brown, she is a CEO, author, podcast host, keynote speaker. I mean, you name it, she's done it. She's a mom and she's got so much experience in real estate. It was a really cool experience getting to sit down and talk with her about her experience, but also how she's found purpose through real estate and purpose through the people she works with and really shifting her mindset from when she was early in her career being solely focused, you know, on GCI, on sales, and then shifting that now to where she's really thinking about people first and how she can make an impact in her community and in the people that surround her. So we've talked about 35 minutes. This one is, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite episodes so far. So I I would say sit back, relax, and enjoy. But before we get into that, look, as always, we got to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor is Reliance Network. If you are evaluating website technology for your team or for your brokerage, head over to RelianceNetwork.com. They power some of the biggest brokerages in the U.S. Their technology not only comes with beautifully designed websites, but with a powerful CRM. Uh, data management tool, and their editor. It's a what you see is what you get. So you can drop and drag and move things around and see how it all affects your website in real time. I love their product. Uh, We preach it a ton. We tell brokerages to go check it out. And if you do head over there, hit that contact us, tell them that you came from the Leaders in Real Estate podcast. That helps us out. We appreciate that. But guys, sit back. Let's go. Let's enjoy this episode. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, today we're bringing a heavy hitter. We have Lee Brown, a successful realtor, forward-thinking CEO, and number one best-selling author. She's putting uh, put pen to paper with a couple books, actually. She's uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. She runs one of the top real estate teams in the country. She's a kicking keynote speaker. Her latest book, 7 deadly sins of sales is out now on Amazon go check that out and if you're in a podcast mood go check out her podcast called crazy shit in real estate lee thanks for coming on did i miss anything fill in the blanks yeah it's a you got you got a lot of stuff going on
1: i mean jordan it's awesome to be on your show and you don't want to waste all my time talking about who i am and all my bio cuz that can be dreadfully boring to your listeners and i get that but if y'all need to have a laugh i've been in real estate I'll be 19 years in January. So I'm getting real close to my 20 year mark. So I'm accepting ideas for what I should do for my 20th anniversary because we'll have to do something big. But before I got into real estate, I sold chainsaws. I was the only woman on the sales force for Husqvarna at the time. And that's, you know, that's premium chainsaws and weed trimmers and lawnmowers. But yeah, it's a, I feel like my life is an evolution of projects and finding passions and that changes and moves. And I think too many of us when we are Looking at real estate or looking at your life at all, you kind of get in a rut. And even if you're really good at what you're doing, you gotta wake up in the morning and say, "Ooh, I get to go do something cool." And that's what my life—it just keeps moving around like that.
0: That's awesome. Was there a, a specific moment when you were you were there? You're selling chainsaws that brought you to real estate. Was there? Was it? Were you that? In that rut, so to speak, coasting, and felt like okay, I need to change it up. Or, or what brought you to what brought you to real estate?
1: Well, no, that was I was totally not coasting over there, but it was relocation all the time. So I would go into a sales territory and help it get straightened out and built up and get a good base built, and then I would move to another territory. And at the time, I was young and single, and I did want to get married and have a family. And you can't do that when you're driving five thousand miles a month on the road and traveling you know, every other weekend going to loan equipment expos. So it just, it was a lifestyle change, brought me back to real estate. And frankly, I was living in Texas when I left Husqvarna and they were going to send me to New Jersey. And I said, y'all can't send me to New Jersey. They will take a hundred IQ points when I open my mouth. It just won't work there. I can't live up North. I'm not a Yankee, even though I married one. So full disclosure, but so I, I wasn't going to be able to take the next move and anybody that's been in corporate world knows if you don't take the moves when you get them that's not going to help you move forward in the organization so I called my dad who's been a realtor since 1978 and he's mostly retired now but he said you know come on back home and get in real estate and he'd been telling me that all along but of course like most kids you don't want to do what your parents think (laughs) you should do so I came back and he was right I belong in real estate and so that's where I landed and where I've been
0: that's great now in your career uh, in real estate, let's kick it off. Walk me through something that you're really proud of. And, you know, if it's a concrete thing, let's talk about the steps that you took to get there.
1: Well, one thing that I am proud of when I look back at my 18 years is that during the Great Recession between 08 and 13, my business grew every single year of that time. And it was because I saw what was happening and I have this very big do-gooder streak in me. And I did not want anybody I'd ever sold a house to to go to foreclosure. So for me to protect my past clients, I needed to get fully educated on how to survive in that market. I chased the CDPE designation, which is the distressed property expert, so that I could speak short sales. And I talked to banks and I talked to attorneys and I got myself educated and my whole team too. And we built systems for short sales and for foreclosures. And we were very much ahead of the educational curve. And I'm so proud of that because it's not just that my business grew, it's that my business grew because we were able to give solutions to people. And that's going to come back into play as we move into a more neutral market, which is happening right now. And we all know that real estate's cyclical, but too many realtors get so complacent and they get so used to what happened yesterday, they forget to realize tomorrow could look different. And I mean, I'm looking at the educational sessions that are out there for realtors right now, and there's still a lot of stuff on how to find inventory in a hot market. Well, the hot market ended a few months ago. So right Right. now, what our agents need is, what do I say to a seller whose house hasn't sold? And seeing that kind of a transition is something that has transformed my business. And now it becomes something I have to give back to other realtors which is part of why I'm an instructor and trainer in addition to selling now is because I have to help them have the same successful moment that I have because it's not rocket science it's just about being willing to be open to learning.
0: You know, uh, I read this book a few months ago Ben Horowitz and it's The Hard Thing About Hard Things and he says that you have to have you have to be two versions of a CEO. You have to be a wartime CEO and a peacetime CEO. And I think that translates over to real estate as well is like you have to have you know, different tools that you use depending on the market and depending on the time. If it's a seller's market right, and houses are flying off the shelf and say you're in Seattle and the houses are on the market for right, 72 hours, you have to be a different realtor in that environment than when, like you said, when houses are staying on the market and sellers are getting frustrated and what tools are you going to use? And then ultimately, you know, if it gets into what I would call, you know, a wartime realtor, if we're in a recession, how are you going to get through that and educating yourself on short sales and learning the, you know, the ins and outs of foreclosures, that's a, another skill set. So I, I think it's important that, you know, the listeners take away that is, hey, guys, whatever you skills you're getting right now, make sure that, you, you know, you look at, where the industry is and where it could potentially go and and make sure that we're prepared, right? Because if we're prepared, we'll put ourselves in such a better position.
1: Exactly. So I just wrote down the title of that book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And I'm glad that you brought that up because if you're thinking about being a different kind of realtor in different market conditions, a lot of that can be driven by reading and being educated outside of our profession. Too many realtors like to just read, you know, in the news. Well, that's first of all, just basically TMZ for real estate, but you're going to get yourself in tunnel vision and you can't react unless you're thinking in a bigger way because realtors are small business owners and they forget that sometimes when they're right in the middle of a transaction or right in the middle of a deal, then they finish that deal and they look around them and say, oh shit, something changed here. Yep. And so now I've got to do that retooling, but I love this idea of wartime and peacetime and I'm probably going to steal some of that because it's brilliant to think about how six months ago when we had no inventory and if you listed a home, it was gone in minutes and multiple offers, you as a realtor might have the fear that the seller would need you. But now that you move six months in and houses aren't selling immediately, sellers have a fear that the house won't sell and now realtors have a fear that they don't know what the answers are. So it's a lot of fear drives how realtors behave in different market conditions, but the fear moves into those different kinds of, I guess, wartime fear and peacetime fear. It's just a different way of looking at it.
0: Totally. And I think you touched on something there that's really interesting. I go to conferences around the country for you know the realtors and for brokerage execs, and you hit the nail on the head, people in the industry get tunnel vision go to a conference or a business event that is outside of real estate you can learn something from another industry and bring it into real estate or you might be able to see something coming if you can see that disruptions happening in another industry that that might be coming at real estate because we get the blinders on and it becomes you know confirmation bias when you go to these real estate conferences and that's all that you do right right? And it just turns into like everything's good, it's gonna stay good, here's what we do, da 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 da. And then 2008 comes. And we, not that that, you know, I don't think that's gonna happen to the, that extent in the near future, but it's being prepared and diversifying. And, and heck, you could learn something from another industry. Like we work with some moving companies, you know, which I would call like realtor adjacent companies. And if something's working for them, heck, it could work for you too, right? As an agent or as a team. So yeah get out, go to different conferences, (laughs) you won't be disappointed. That's for sure.
1: But you know, also, if you are, for example, a residential realtor, you don't have to just go to conferences outside of real estate, but you could get outside your specialty and go to commercial meetings and learn from commercial realtors. One thing that gets realtors in trouble is they try to go outside their own specialty and then they hurt people by accident because they don't have enough knowledge. But if you're the only residential realtor at a commercial conference, you're going to get information on what's coming in the way of development and what's happening with jobs and what's happening with industries and businesses, which has a direct correlation to residential. But then the upside is you become the only residential person there, you pick up referral business. And the same thing happens when you're a commercial broker going to a residential conference or to a land conference. And there's all these different specialty niches that can provide fantastic insight. Cause think how cool it would be if you were the only residential realtor, at a commercial conference in your state and then you went to a listing appointment and your sellers asked you, Hey, what's happening in the market? And you can say, man, I went to a commercial conference and these companies and these jobs are looking at our state. You've totally given yourself a different value proposition just by being the one who is educated outside of the average norm.
0: Totally. And that's a, that's a huge value prop to sellers and, and buyers right coming into markets if you know that much more and that's the advantage that the realtors you guys have you are the local expert so anything you can do to help you know make that more so the case the better you're going to be now moving on we're gonna flip gears a little bit talk to me about a specific failure that has happened in your career and really the lessons that you've taken from that
1: Oh, that's so easy. I I can look at my career and I know exactly where I made all my mistakes, which is the beauty of, you know, being in long enough to look backwards. When I was building my business from 2000 to 2009, so essentially the first nine, half of my career, first nine years, my only focus was selling more houses, making more money. I wanted to be number one in the Charlotte market. And every conference that I went to was production based. So primarily I went to the Howard Brenton Star Power stuff, which once upon a time was the absolute best conferences we had in real estate. And if you're a newer realtor, don't get your hopes up because Howard passed away a few years ago. But if you hear anybody talk about Star Power, it was all about production. So you go to learn from people doing 800 sides a year, a thousand sides a year. And this is the days before these giant teams. So it was a different accomplishment then than it is now. So I only wanted to get better and I was very selfish about it because it was all, what could I take? What could I take? What could I take? Who could I learn from? How did I grow? And so when I looked at how my team was structured, because I was an early team adopter, I wanted people who were as hungry as I was, who had the work ethic that I had and who were disciplined like I was. Well, if you're a hard driver like me, you're not necessarily that common and so people didn't live up to my expectations and I was too aggressively demanding. So I wanted to be number one. I expected them to be like me or more. And so if they didn't live up to my expectations, I would lose my temper. So I was not a good team leader. I was a selfish taker from the industry. And I didn't give two rips about relationships with my colleagues. All I wanted to do was sell more houses. Now, I didn't behave unethically. I wasn't cold. I wasn't you know mean. I was You know, I could make a deal come together, but I didn't have that level of humanity and caring that I should have had. So I look at what happened in my business is in 2009, I got a phone call from the Government Affairs Committee. Now, understand, I didn't know what Government Affairs was, didn't know what the association was, except that I paid them dues. I wasn't going near that building, did my required CE, and I was out because I was only focused on building my business. Well, Government Affairs called and said, Lee, you got to give us $99 for pack. And I said, why? And they said, because you ought to. And I said, all right. So I gave them $99. didn't know what pack was, didn't know what Government Affairs was, but I figured given this person on the phone, $99 was the fastest way to get them off my phone.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> so I did it. And then not long after that, I magically got appointed onto the Government Affairs Committee because that's the in real estate, you know, we have this special way to get people to volunteer and it's called voluntold. I was voluntold onto the committee. And so I said, well, let me go see what that's all about. Just because I wasn't, you know, told I was on the committee and like many realtors, you love to have something on your resume in an entrepreneurial world where we don't need resumes. But anyway, so I went down there and I found out that the bigger part of being a realtor has to do with protecting property rights. And it was a piece of real estate that I'd never paid attention to and did not realize was going on and had zero idea of how critical it was. Well, I got dialed in, Jordan, and as soon as I learned a bunch of stuff about what was happening on the political side, I couldn't unlearn it, and I realized that the power of being a realtor has nothing to do with how many houses I can sell, but it has to do with, holy crap, we're the world's biggest grassroots trade organization. We can do really big things if we work together, and it was this mind shift of, I can still sell a bunch of houses, but I need my colleagues in lots of ways besides having them on the other side. And since then, it's created a different path for me in real estate because it opened up the volunteer path where I can be really engaged on many levels. It opened up the instructor side of real estate because I realized if I need to have other realtors with me, they need to be better realtors. So I better give them everything in my playbook and help them be more professional and be better realtors. And then that led to a more human side of my real estate business, where instead of my people in the market thinking I was a bitch, just because I sold more houses than they did, we started building better relationships of, Hey, we've all got spouses and kids and we all go to church here and we all live here and we can do better deals if we're nicer to each other. So the last nine years of my professional life has been insanely satisfying and insanely gratifying in a way that it wasn't when all I was focused on is making money.
0: And probably less stressful too. Oh no, I still
1: have plenty of stress in my life because now I deal with (laughs) elected officials and I'm making phone calls on behalf of my fellows and those are not easy phone calls to make. And there's, I have more on my plate than I've ever had, but it's, there's better impact to be had. And, Yeah, I I still make a great living in real estate, but I look at my colleagues who are solely focused on number one, and I just want to tell them, slow down for a second. You can't spend as much as you can make in real estate. Real estate is one of the few professions where you can make more than you can spend. And at a certain point, you've got to realize there's more to your day-to-day life than just the money.
0: And and do you feel like that shift was then like a big shift in you're you're finding like maybe not finding your purpose, but at least realigning to a purpose.
1: Oh, 100%. And what's crazy is when my purpose was getting straightened out and and I'd use that term because in the South, you know, when you tell somebody you're going to straighten out, that's when they're in trouble, they're getting punished. So when I straightened out what was going on in my life, well, I suddenly started attracting better people to my team. So I was able to be a better team leader A better CEO, my retention rate has gone uh, big time on the team and in the brokerage because I know who I am and what I'm chasing and what I'm chasing is not money. And that attracts people to you that are also interested in the bigger picture, which is generally better people, because I'm not going to lie to you. If you're with a broker or a leader whose only goal is money, that's not a long term happy relationship because money is not a good end game. And so once I got realigned, I attracted the right people. And that's what has made my life better. I mean, I'm still stressed and I'm still overworked and I'm still busy, but I'm surrounded by better humans. I'm working with better humans. And I know that the impact is more than one transaction at a time.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's really, uh, that's cool. And that's been a, you know, a theme that we've come back to on the show a lot from leaders is they had that shift, you know, in their early twenties is, you know, the money, 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 and then shifting to no, it's people, people, people. It's always nice to to hear that and have that, you know, hear that reaffirmed because I think that's a lesson that in any industry people can, can learn from, right. That money should follow, not lead.
1: Right. That There's your phrase right there. That should be a little meme on Instagram. Money should follow, not lead. You know, the, um, <laughs> you know, the young people like the Instagram little quotes you put out there, but don't self quote cause that's tacky. Get somebody to post it for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the listeners. You guys take that, make it up, and post post it for Seriously, me. Seriously, <laughs> somebody,
1: one of y'all millennials, give me a you know an amen on that because this, I mean, this I'm totally gonna rabbit trail on you here, but have you noticed how so many of our purported leaders and instructors and coaches or whatever in real estate like to self quote? Oh, I a, mean, come on, y'all, it's so gross. It's
0: the tackiest thing. It's yeah. It's it, I I don't like that. <laughs> I think. I think it, uh, yeah, that's just corny. And um, people are seeing through it.
1: But yeah, listeners, y'all should go write that down. You can give Jordan credit for it because it's really good. And maybe somebody will come listen to this podcast and they'll realize that they're not alone in real estate because that's a problem we have in our profession too. It's a very lonely business.
0: Oh, completely. And then those feelings of being lost, right? Of, okay, almost like when you close the deal, you close the deal, then it's like, now what? you know, where do I start over? If you were you wrapped up in the deal, yep. you know, now where do I start? I think a lot of times in real estate, finding the next deal or finding that listing is really the work. And then when you're actually just doing it and processing and helping your sellers or helping your buyers, that's almost a vacation in its sense.
1: Well, we're unemployed every day. And then once you get to a closing, you're like, I really have to start over now. But add to that, it's a social media driven world. And I'm only halfway joking about Instagram because people totally curate their existence on facebook and instagram snapchat twitter and it looks like everybody else is cranking it and they are all successful and they're all selling all these houses and they're all got great things going on and then you you're like i just had a closing well shit i don't have any other listings i don't have any other buyers it's just me well friends it's not just you they're all liars If I took all the stuff people post on social networks and added up the transactions they said they did, it does not match the tax records or the MLS anywhere. And so that adds to this, this feeling of loss when you close a deal and you've got to start over, you have to know it's not just you. And that's why you have to keep going to conferences and listen to great podcasts like this one, because it will remind you that your people, people lie. They're going to make themselves look better than (laughs) they are and, that heart, it makes it harder for you to be human.
0: Yeah. And that, uh, you know, being authentic, right. And that in authentic selling, which I know you have a book on where I think social media adds to, adds to the facade at times, right. And people put up and like you said, they're showing off things that they don't have mm-hmm. or putting out a perception that's really not them. Now, look, you got to sell yourself and represent yourself. And that's nothing. Social media hasn't changed that. I mean, I remember being a little kid and the brand new realtor showing up in a new car they probably couldn't afford. Right. You know, they had, to, they had to have to kind of look the part, so to speak. So I think we can probably do a whole podcast on authenticity. And you <laughs>
1: could. And so go buy my book, Outrageous Authenticity, which was my first book. And, you know, because I know my realtor is a 45-minute read. Don't stress out about it. But for real, I mean, it's it's a problem <laughs> in our profession, especially going into changing market conditions, because realtors don't know what to say because they've forgotten who they are. And, of course, now – Good Lord, the online mob will attack you in two seconds if you say something that they don't think you should say.
0: Yeah, that that's very, very real. But speaking on the industry, what do you think is the most exciting thing that's happening in real estate today?
1: Well, first of all, I like to think of us as a profession and not an industry. And the reason for that is the Zillows of the world and the open doors and all of those technology and venture capital driven companies are all about the data and about what they can take online. And I think that's the industrial portion of real estate, which is about widgets and gadgets. But I think that realtors and the people who are listening to your podcast who want to provide an experience to the clients they serve, they're professionals. So when I look at the real estate profession, what's exciting to me is how much more conversation there is about professionalism in our business. I feel like more and more full-time engaged realtors have come to this awakening that... We can no longer tolerate mediocrity among us. And we have to demand more education and we have to demand better behavior. I'm seeing more and more realtors turn in unethical fellows to their grievance committees at their local and state to file code of ethics complaints. And that's critical because if we want realtors to get better, we have to self-police. And that's becoming a really loud conversation. And what happens is consumers start to hear us having this conversation. They see you online talking about professionalism and how we can be better realtors. And they start to think, well, I should demand a better realtor. Well, if buyers and sellers demand a higher level of experience from the people that they engage, it protects and preserves the real estate profession. It also means we'll see a, a letting off of members at some point in the future when the sorry ones among us can't make a living anymore, and I'm okay with that. And I think a lot of members have hit that point of, if we lose a couple hundred thousand dues-paying members and you have to double mine to get rid of them, I'm cool with that. And I think that's encouraging for the future.
0: Yeah, that's great, and that's the you know the cream will rise to the top if that you know if that's the way it goes. And I, I think that. The person who's committed to the profession and committed to getting better at their profession and really leaning into development of themselves and, you know, of their market, I think that they're going to be right there with you, right? Saying, yeah, let's do it. So if we could rewind the clock, right? Let's say we rewind it five years ago. We're sitting here in almost November, late October of 2013, let's say. What would one piece of advice be that you'd give yourself?
1: Who 2013 is... Not that different than the life I live right now. So I think I would probably tell myself to say no to something so that I could be more focused. I think that's just maybe a Lee Brown problem, and it's not an everybody problem that as a busy mom, if you want something done, you ask a busy mom because she will just find a way to crush it out. But that can be exhausting. So I'd probably go back to myself and say, narrow down your focus because now I'm five years later trying to narrow my focus a little because I say yes too much. I love my realtor members and I sacrifice everything for them, but I have to stop that because it's an unhealthy pattern.
0: Yeah. And at certain times you can, uh, it can be addition, addition by subtraction, right?
1: Right. And, yep. uh,
0: and I'm with you on that. And I think it's just one of those things when you get into it and you into business and you're going, it's easy to yeah say yes, opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. And then you're like, you snap your fingers and, you know, a month's gone by and you're like, what happened last month? <laughs> I did all these things, but I, I half remember them. <laughs> At least I feel that way. I'm like, I'm the in the same boat where I'm saying yes to everything. So it's probably a, a good advice for everybody, especially if you're that, you know, go-getter mentality. Outside of the office, outside of real estate, what do you think is something that you do that contributes to your overall success?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I think a big thing is my involvement in political advocacy with the realtor world. One thing I should have done earlier in my career is be a bigger level contributor to the realtor party, which is the RPAC you hear us talking about. And it's not Republicans. It's a lot of realtor members, for whatever reason, think it's the Republican Political Action Committee. It's not. It's the realtor party. We're nonpartisan. or bipartisan. The more involved I am in political decision making, whether it's on the regulatory side or the legislative side, the easier it is to walk in and kill a listing because I walk in and I'm like, look, ask my competitors if they're involved in protecting your property rights or if they just want to sell a house. And so they start to realize that your most involved realtors are very multifaceted. And that's exactly what the educated buyer and seller wants in 2018 because they're all very astute now because you can't escape political information. It's everywhere. And they love knowing that realtors are doing more than just getting paid great amounts of commission dollars because they don't really know what we do until we tell them. So I'm spending a lot of time at fundraisers and I talk to elected officials and I call them and I educate them on realtor issues. And it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's about realtor issues, which is fascinating because we're the only group that is known to have a reputation for nonpartisan work. And we're not special interest. I mean, we're public interest. What we do affects our communities, affects our buyers and sellers. So that's a really big thing that has added referrals to my business. It has added, I mean, I I win a listing just by walking in talking about being a political advocate. Buyers are drawn to somebody that knows who to vote for. So like right now, I send a video to all my past clients every year at the primary and at the general. And of course, When we're recording this episode, it's a week and a half before the general election. I sent a video to my whole database and said, if you don't know who to vote for, give me a shout and I can tell you who the realtor's like. Well, that's not me getting involved in somebody's you know, R or D because people get very entrenched in their partisan side. But your average human doesn't know, well, which judges are good and which school board members and which city council members, which county commissioners. And when I can say this is who the realtors have interviewed and like from a property rights standpoint... It gives them something to go on besides going to the ballot box and just picking the names that look good on paper. So you gotta think about how you can contribute to your community in a proactive way that's also not divisive. I don't have to be a, you know, total jackleg about my political beliefs to say this is who we interviewed and who we liked. The other thing I would add to that is I am a runner and I run five to six days a week. That has enormously contributed to my success because when I started learning how to take care of myself, then my business got stronger and my focus got stronger. And also I gained a lot of my personal self back because successful realtors often are real estate all the time. When I got involved in a running group, I started having mom conversations and wife conversations and running conversations. And that just rounds you out and makes it easier to be a better realtor when you're a better human.
0: That's the quote right there. It's easy to be a better realtor when you're a better human, for sure. All
1: right, so then one of y'all make that, but I can't put it on Insta. See, no self-quote, and see, we already established that. You got one, I got one. Some listener out there, listen, whoever listens to this and posts both of those and tags me and Jordan on Instagram, I'll send you a free copy of my book.
0: There you go. You guys heard it.
1: To reward you for listening to all of this random real estate talk. (laughs) Flipping it back
0: to, you know, in office stuff here or i guess the career and has there been a piece of advice or like a mantra or you know something you've heard that's really stuck with you that you could share with us
1: Absolutely it's helped you All right so when i first got into real estate and i was in my early 20s and broke because i spent money moving back from Texas to North Carolina living by myself or i was living at home trying to buy my first house and needed to sell houses and you work every lead so hard and you'll do anything to help people make a decision because you want the commission it, it's what happens to all of us at the beginning of real estate you work so hard to close a deal and what my dad told me and he has said it over and over is if you take care of people first the money will figure itself out and it's you know we've said that already in this episode but it's so true that As real estate agents, it's easy for us to chase commission dollars and to start cutting corners with the truth and to start maybe, you know, forgetting a material fact. And maybe you slide something through here and you're not doing it, I don't think, maliciously. I really don't think most realtors are malicious. I think they just get caught between an empty bank account and a house payment. And they forget that the long term implications are big. So you take care of people first and the money will follow And the thing that's happened because my dad preached that at me so often is even though I have all the business I could possibly handle right now, I handle all price points. And it's easy for realtors when they get to a certain level of success to say, I'm only going to work with certain price points. And they stop working with first timers. or They stop working with affordable housing or they stop talking to renters and they forget that everybody matters. So... There's also this mantra I repeat to myself, which is it's an honor to be a realtor. And when you remember how honorable our profession can be, and that somebody chose to call you out of the thousands of options that they have, it gives you a different perspective when you're talking to them and you can actually care for their needs, regardless of the size of the paycheck.
0: That's huge. That's, uh, I I think that's, uh, you know, which we've kind of talked about, but, and I love hitting it you know, over the head again and again is to care about the people first and, you know, to have that money to follow. I think that is uh something we could all take away and it's not only for real estate, but in everything, right? That's something I, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> probably put up on the wall here. You know, it's something that we just need to keep constantly coming back to, especially when you say like we don't mean people don't mean to be malicious or people don't mean to do things, but they get caught between a commission and a house payment and you forget. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to have that as something to you know ground yourself with. Now with your company, is there anything that you're doing? We can talk either you personally as a speaker, author, podcast host, or with Remax executive or your team. What's is there something you guys are doing that you're really excited about?
1: Oh, I, I mean, I'm excited about all my different projects because <laughs> I have a hundred projects going on. But the one that's most exciting to me right now is called Lee Brown University. And basically what I've done is I sat down with my video guy for several days and just recorded everything I do from how do you pick a brokerage to hang out with? Because think about what people don't know and they don't have anybody to ask. How do I pick a brokerage? Should I open a franchise? How do you start a team? What do I do for buyers? What do I do for sellers? How do I build systems? What's a good listing presentation look like? So I basically brain dumped on video and with a course provider to provide this online university experience, which I think is unique because it's built by somebody who's an active producer in the business and not a, I mean, I hate to slam the coaches that haven't sold a house in 30 years, but they haven't sold a house in 30 years. And there's a difference to how you build your business today versus back then, even though some of the basics are the same. There are definitely fundamentals that are timeless. So it's it's fun. It's exciting. And any realtor that buys that university is going to basically get to hang out with me for several hours and build their business in a way that will be happy and productive and successful. So I'm super proud of that. It just rolled out two weeks ago. We're doing a show special at NAR in Boston to help give it a, a good rollout and I feel like it's going to be a good resource for a lot of people when they need a good resource and I'm proud of that.
0: That's awesome. And guys, we will put all the links uh, on the show notes page, or if you are listening to this on SoundCloud, iTunes, et cetera, you know, those links will be below in the description. Well, there's a big, this is a, a great conversation. And. I got to let you know, let you go. I know you're back to a busy day, but before I do, where should people connect with you?
1: Oh, see, it depends on where you are online because I try to be where my followers are. So the best place to find me is generally on Facebook. That's my favorite social network. And I'm Lee Thomas Brown there. If you go to my personal page, it's going to say I have too many friends, but on principle, I cannot stomach a fan page So just click follow because I post everything publicly and that makes me happier. There's also real estate specific stuff at Lee Brown Instruction if you want just the real estate and not the pictures of my kids and fun stuff. And then of course on Twitter, I get very political on Twitter. That's at Lee Brown. And on Snapchat, my 13 year old is trying to teach me how to use it. So you have to be patient with me over there. And I don't know what my snap name is, but you can probably find it. And then on Instagram, I'm Lee Thomas Brown. And that's my happy place. I love Instagram because it's so happy. And then you can email me, Lee at LeeSells.com. I answer all my own emails. All my social networks are me. It's not a staff person. It's just me because I really enjoy good conversations with people and very genuine conversations.
0: Awesome! You guys heard it. Go reach out and make sure to give uh, Lee's podcast to listen to. Crazy shit in real estate. I don't I will be subscribing.
1: You should. It's pretty hilarious. All my episodes except for one are less than fifteen minutes because I understand the realtor time attention span is very short. But it's um it is kind of amazing what we see in this business. It's the stuff they do not show on HGTV. So, <laughs> if you're a listener, or you, Jordan, if any of y'all have a story about something that happened in your real estate life and you you couldn't believe that happened, then you give me a shout and maybe we'll feature you as a guest over there because I love my real life realtor guest.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, Until next time, this has been an episode of the Leaders in Real Estate podcast.